Okay, well, welcome. We're very happy you tuned in to WNZN Radio and uh, another good show. We hope that everybody is doing well, staying safe in this uh, February. It looks like a really cold spell coming in. Dude. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, in the single uh, digit. Yeah, all over the <laughs> coming country. Coming in. So this is uh, 89.1 FM yeah. radio. Like I said, power radio coming to you from Lorain, Ohio. And I'm here taping with my good friend and assistant, David Abood. Great to be here with you, John, and great to be here with Wes, too. Yeah, we got a special guest, as promised, uh, from last week. Um, Wes Chapman coming to us all the way from Tyler, Texas. I know Texas well. I lived quite a few years in Texas, even when my military there. Fort Sam Houston. Uh, yeah, Fort Sam Houston. So um, we're going to get right into the show. And thank you again, Wes, for being part of the show. This, Like I said, this is Wes Chapman. Very interesting testimony, ministry and missions, working with and preparing missionaries for... He's going to tell you more about the organization, but I think they're in, what, 60 countries today? 180, I think? 180 countries. Is that right, Wes? Uh, I think that is correct. Boy. Yes, sir. Wow. Okay. So, Wes, without further ado... Um, why don't you kind of introduce yourself and maybe tell a bit about your testimony and how is it that you came to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? And then why why did you get into missions? Why did you choose YWAM, Youth with a Mission? And we'll just pick it up from there. Sounds great. Yeah, first, thank you guys uh, for just being generous and letting me be a part of your show. It's very cool. I am a fellow Ohioan. Ah. Go Bucks. All right. Yeah, I grew up actually in uh, in Lane County in Worcester, Ohio. Okay. It's my, it's my birthplace. That's where I where I grew up. Um, so it's it's fun to always be a part of anything to do with the Buckeye State. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I have I have been here at Youth with a Mission in Tyler, Texas, for the last um, nineteen years. And like I said, I did grow up in a in a and a little farm, 14-acre farm in, in Northeast Ohio. Uh, my parents were, were both believers. Um, uh, my, my dad, you know, my dad had a, a, a little bit of a rough upbringing, a little challenging, maybe challenging is a better word, upbringing. Um, and, uh, and so um, him and my mom were married. They were believers. Uh, but even right from the very beginning, uh, both of my parents, uh, when, when they got pregnant with me, um, doctors very early um, were very concerned with my medical with medical problems for me. And so one one of the first things that was ever uh, kind of said over my life uh, was they told my parents, "Your kid's going to have way too many problems. Uh, you should abort this child oh. and start." Oh gosh. And, wow. and so my parents, being uh, you know being being believers and uh, and and believing that every life is valuable, they really wrestled and came to the conclusion, you know what, it doesn't matter what the, what whatever problems come, this is our son that God has given us, and we're going to see it through. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and that was their determination. So, so I was born um, in September of 1981, um, and, and I did. I faced lots of health challenges um, to this day. Currently, I've had 20 surgeries. Um, I only oh have gosh. one kidney. Oh. Uh, the one, the one kidney that I do have works thirty percent, and um, and so I, I, and basically a, a lot of my anything to do with my urinary tract system basically looked like scrambled eggs when I was born. Oh boy! So had to reconstruct my bladder, um, reconstruct some <clears throat> ureters, uh, do a lot of different things um, with that, and so that that was that was my that was my start to life. Wow. And as I got older, and uh, I, I, you know, I have lots of scars. I, I was really insecure about them. And, and as I got older, I, I just, I, I just started building this mindset that something is wrong with me. Mm-hmm. I'm different than everybody else. And the enemy just had a field day in my mind. Right. With with playing these games of there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. I'm a, I'm a problem. And, and that made me very angry, easy to rejection, um, and as I got into my teenage years, very bitter. Mm-hmm. Um, but my parents were still faithful to go to church regularly. Um, uh, I grew up in church. I, you know, I knew all the stories. But as, 
personal encounter or a personal relationship with Jesus, I didn't, I, I didn't really experience um, that until I was much older. And, uh, you know, we, we all know this, you know, the, the, the scripture in John 10, where it says that the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. Right. That, that, that just kept, kept being a perpetual thing that kept coming up through my growing up years when I was younger. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we had a discussion the other day where I shared that, um, uh, you know, my parents trying to, you know, be able to pay for all my doctor bills. Insurance back then wasn't it wasn't like it is now, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. So, so my parents, for, to be able to take care of my doctor bills, um, they said once it got into the millions, they stopped looking at the amount and they just started using a ruler to des- to decide how well they were doing at at, at, at paying them off. Boy. And so they, they worked, you know, they worked hard to be able to, to, to meet all of the, all of our needs and, and be able to stay afloat, uh, during all those years. So with that came, you know, a few babysitters that were, that were very close family friends, but as, as it came out later in life, um, you know, we've, you know, they were, they, they had sexually abused me and my brother and it ended up being three different people total. Okay. So again, there, like there, there was just this perpetual thing. Something is wrong with me. Uh, just things trying to steal the identity that that from the beginning that we know that God has always wanted every kid or every person to be able to know that they're that they're loved and they're adopted into His house. And these situations were trying to rob from that being able to take root in my heart. And uh, so by the time I was eighteen. Um, I was very angry. I was very bitter. I had turned to alcohol and other things to try to numb my pain uh, and and my disappointment and my anger. Um, I, I took a lot of my anger out of my parents and multiple times threw them around the house and um, ran away once. And they were just really faithful to me and very uh, gave me a lot of mercy that I didn't deserve. Mm-hmm. Now, when I was 18, I had a youth pastor, uh, my senior year, who just kept pursuing me, invited me on a missions trip um, to go out of the country to Thailand and Cambodia, and uh, he just kept pestering me. He, he wouldn't take no for an answer, and he kept asking and kept asking, and finally I caved and thought, well, you know, it's my senior year, it'd be cool to go out of the country, and it'd be like my senior trip, uh, not knowing that God was setting me up. Yeah, right. <laughs> to meet me right and uh and so i said yes and uh raised all the money and and ended up going to thailand and cambodia in uh in it was let's see i think it was july of 2000 and uh while i was there we we visited the killing fields oh yeah for the time for myself i I realized that there was a people who, who who had suffered more than what i felt like i had and, and had to come to this face-to-face encounter with what the real world is like outside of conservative Wayne County, Ohio. Yeah, right, right. I've been and, to the killing and, fields, right. And it was horrendous. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, 30 years later, we're walking in places where people's bones and clothes are still coming up out of the ground. Right. Mm-hmm. After being, in, you know, unjustly murdered. Yes. Uh, just because of a, of a way of thinking. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so that, that really messed with me and, and it really made me think about a lot of stuff. And then a week later, I ended up, uh, we ended up serving in a leprosy colony. And while we were serving there, we met a woman who uh, told us her story about how her family dropped her off in the jungle once they found out she had leprosy and said, go out there and die on your own, you freak. Mm. And then just left her. Mm-hmm. And, and these, uh, the, uh, the leprosy colonies are run by a doctor who's a believer. And so the staff that, that work in those leprosy colonies are believers as well. And so this lady ended up um, uh, meeting Jesus, accepting Jesus into her life, and, uh, and, 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 and living in this leprosy colony in a mud hut. You know, like a, a, it was a regular hut, but it had a dirt floor. This is in Cambodia. No, this is in this is in Thailand. No. Oh, they, she came from Cambodia to Thailand. No, so we were. She, she was in Thailand. I see. Okay. She was, she was Thai. So we, oh. we spent our first we spent 
spent a little bit of time in Thailand, spent about a week and a half in Cambodia, and then came back into Thailand and worked with this leprosy colony in Thailand. Okay, got it, okay. And so she had told us her whole story about how her family had done this, and um, at this point she's living in this in this, this hut that has a dirt floor, and uh, she, she's missing hands and feet and other part of her bo- other parts of her body are deteriorating. But as she's telling us this whole story, she has these huge crocodile tears running down her face. And her response was, I am so grateful that I got this disease because if I wouldn't have, I would have never met Jesus. And and for my little 18-year-old self, who had, you know, who had played the victim had lived out of the victim mindset because of all these things that I felt like I had been slighted by. And here's this lady, you know, I'm on a missions trip and here this lady is telling me, I'm glad I got this disease that's going to kill me because if I wouldn't have gotten this disease, I would have never encountered this man, Jesus. Boy, amazing. And, and given my life to him. Mm-hmm. And man, that challenged the heck out of me and, and really made me go. What does this lady know about Jesus that I don't, that gives her this confidence and this joy? Mm-hmm. And so I left, I left Thailand and came back to Ohio. And for the next year, uh, I had to know this Jesus for myself. It, 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 it was like... It, it, it was like someone turned on the explorer in me and like I couldn't sleep at night. I read the Bible so many times. Mm. I was asking all the hard theological questions. And but also as I was walking that out, uh, I didn't care about alcohol. I didn't need alcohol anymore for anything. Oh, good. Uh, wow. I, uh, I, you know, I was running with a pretty rough crowd and, and, and with things that started to change in my life. Uh, all of those people walked away from my life, so I didn't have any friends for a, about a six-month season. Mm-hmm. But, but what that did was repair my relationship with my parents, oh, okay. because that's who I spending my time with. And God was changing my heart, and it was like overnight my anger went away. Hmm. Like it was—it was more than anger. Like I was a raging, crazy person. Like I wouldn't—I would sometimes I would do things and wouldn't remember what I did. Is that right? Just out of control. Yeah. And, and so, and so like that just, it was like all of a sudden it was like I was delivered from that. Like something changed inside of me. It's the only way I can explain it. And, and I just started to get greater and greater revelation of the scripture. I, I started to have like, I, I started to um, understand things that I didn't understand before. Mm-hmm. It was just amazing, and, and it was just the, the invitation of saying, Jesus, I know that, I, that I'm a sinner, and I know that I need you um, uh, in my life, and I want you to be my teacher. I want you to be the one who directs and teaches my life, and so every day I'm going to come to you, and I'm going to ask you, teach me. Good. So you were and what now, 19, 20 years old? I was 18 at that time, okay. so, so I spent a whole year getting discipled by my youth pastor. Um, right now, his name is Jeff Watson. Uh-huh. Uh, he runs a, he actually is the pastor of Foundation Church in Norwalk. Okay. Um, now, currently. And, uh, and uh, I got some discipleship from, from uh, some of my other members of my church there. I did a youth internship. And uh, in 2001... I went on a missions trip with that same church, with our youth group, uh, with a guy named David Van Fleet out of New York City. He runs a, a ministry called Street Life Ministries there, mm-hmm. and we we went on it. We went to Brazil, and we ended up uh, doing ministry on the streets to street kids and uh, uh, ministering to girls out of brothels and trying to get them out of that situation and. Um, uh, which did a lot of evangelism around the city of Belo Horizonte, which is uh, central Brazil. And while we were there, we went to a youth with a mission campus. Um, it was one of the first ones actually in Brazil. And I had never heard of youth with a mission. Yeah, maybe you can give some <laughs> overviews for the listeners. Tell them about youth with a mission. Yeah, so youth with a mission is an interdenominational uh, youth 
missions organization. So what makes it awesome is literally it's every branch of the body of Christ working together to see the gospel go to the nations. Boy. So you just get to see, I mean, I mean, there's an immense amount of spiritual warfare here, but the unity that you get to see of the nations coming together and working together and the body of Christ from different branches like Baptists and Methodists and Episcopalians and uh, Lutherans, we're just, we're, we're just banking on the, the, the fundamental things of, of Christianity. Jesus is the Son of God. Right. That He came to the earth. That that that, that He died and He raised. He was raised again uh, to, to cleanse the sins uh, uh, of all people. Right. Right. That uh, those are the things that we that we um, that we can agree upon and that we can get behind and be on the same page about. And and then we use that as as a unity launching point. To, to to see the gospel go to every people in every nation. Mm. Now, here's what's awesome. You know, Youth for the Mission was started in 1960. That's, it's not a very old organization. Right. And yet we are the largest international interdenominational, mission, interdenominational missions organization in the world now. How many are in there, do you think, people, members? They say there's between twenty and thirty thousand full time missionaries in youth with a mission somewhere in the world. Full time. So that's not counting the short term guys. That's not counting short term. That's counting the people that are full time missionaries somewhere on the field functioning right Whoa. now. Amazing. Wow. That is amazing. They say that we have about eight hundred training campuses globally in hundred and eighty nations. Where where is the main is the main one in Hawaii still? Well, that's the, that's the interesting thing about Youth with a Mission. There is not a, we're, we're not, we're, we're decentralized. I see. So, so every YWAM base is, is autonomous, um, but we're relationally tied in with our values and we regularly meet all together. Um, and, and it's through relationship that, that, that our covenant is walked out. I see. Mm-hmm. So, it's very, so it's very unique in how, in how that, how that goes. I know the range of ministries because I lived in Thailand. We were missionaries in northern Thailand, so we uh, interacted with YWAMers. And then when we were in Bangkok, we helped with their discipleship training uh, school when they'd send them over for the practical side of things. Yes, sir. They were doing outreach. They were using drama. They were using song. It was amazing. But up in Chiang Mai, they were actually doing uh, filming and contextualizing the gospel in a Asian kind of a format. It's very... My, I say that only because you can almost describe some of the ministries with YWAM if you did, uh, Wes. It's amazing how many there are. Yeah, I was going to say, if you can dream it, you can find it. Is that right? <laughs> wow. It's, it's, it, there's, there's just a lot of freedom um, in the ways that we express um, uh, and, 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 and create tools to meet people, groups, and places. Right? Amazing. Uh -huh. uh, yeah, so, so there's always going to be expressions. Photography... Um, you know, how are you going to reach skateboarders if you don't skateboard? So there's like a skateboarder's <laughs> discipleship training school. So you can still do the thing that you love, but be trained with the principles that you're needed to go back. You know, we don't look at skateboarders as a people group, but the reality is they are. So when you right. join, what's the what's the process? If So you, you wanted then to join YWAM at your age of 20? What, what happens? Yeah, so basically what happened for me is uh, I... I uh, I saw these young people that were, they're sacrificing, they love God with their whole heart, they're really joyful, they're passionate, and they're going for it. And I was like, I've never met people in the church like this, like, <laughs> who are these guys? Like, wh why are they like that? Yeah. And, um, and, you know, and I'm finding some newfound passions and some joy that I never knew that I could have, and so I came back to Ohio. And it was literally like everywhere I went after I was in Brazil, it was like YWIM was everywhere. Well, okay. And I was like, okay, how can I go 19 years without hearing of this organization and now it's all over the place? Mm -hmm. so, I, so I started processing with my youth pastor and I'm like, have you heard of YWIM before this? And he goes, oh, yeah. And I was like, I kind of think maybe I'm supposed to go to YWIM. And he went, you're actually a really great fit for YWIM. Mm. I think you're and so he, he actually printed off a bunch of locations 
And I was still unsure in my heart about if YWAM was the thing for me. Right. Um, and then 9-11 happened. And, and I remember my mom came in. Uh, I had worked really late the night before. And so my mom came and woke me up. And I walked down the stairs of my home because she's like, hey, you have to see the news. And I walked down the stairs of my home. And I walked down. And as I was coming down the stairs is when the second plane hit the tower. Oh, yeah. And I can't explain it other than at that moment in time, I absolutely just knew in my heart I was to be a missionary. Mm. I just knew it. Like I, I can't explain it any other way. Yeah. And, and so uh, I went to my youth pastor and started processing where I could go to youth with a mission. Um, and and they, you know, every why every youth with a mission campus has a has an application process to come to a discipleship training school which is the entry-level school if you are have graduated from high school. And it's a five-month training program. You do three months of lecture training. So you're really solidifying um, um, your theological thought as well as growing in personal relationship uh, with, God, with, with Jesus um, uh, and, and learning uh, how to discern uh, the direction of the Holy Spirit, his leading in your life. And, um, uh, and, and it's in the it, learning how to apply the scripture in your everyday life so that it's not just, a, hey, you know, we hear these things and we know that they're good things, but it's actually, this is what we're living from. It's coming, we're, we're learning to express it in the way that we carry ourselves every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you can go on a two month outreach. You go on a two month outreach after that lecture phase part. Is that the and, DTS uh, discipleship training then? That is, the that's the Disciples Training School. And after you've fulfilled uh, that whole school and like gone through the graduation process, yes, it literally opens up the door to a million different other training schools. And uh, as well as Youth with a Mission has its own uh, university called the University of the Nations. Okay. So you can get it like, so once you complete a discipleship training school, those credits can go towards getting a degree with the University of the Nations. Okay. And then our local campus here in Tyler, um, we have right now six accredited colleges that take any of our training school credits towards a degree at their university. Oh, boy. Wow. So what do you yeah, teach so specifically? Cool. What is your ministry now, Wes, specifically? Yeah, so what I do uh, and what I've done for the last 19 years is I train teenagers. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I was a troubled teenager, so I, I really have a heart for, for that, that, that group of people. And, um, and so we run, in our summer, we run uh, a training program called SST, which stands for Season of Service and Training. And uh, the, uh, we run three phase ones in a summer. Um, starting in June uh, through July. And it's basically the, the, the first phase of the SST is uh, you get one week of lecture and one week of outreach. Okay. And it's kind of like the very, very, very foundation points of what we have in a discipleship training school. We start teaching you uh, uh, at 13 years old or whenever wow. you first come to the phase one. That young, so, they can come in at 13, 14 years old? Yeah, so we do 13. Right now, uh, wow. that camp is open to 13 to 17-year-olds. Oh, okay, in the location. Okay, David? Yeah, uh, Wes, uh, in term, you know, uh, I've been hearing a lot. You know, there's, there's so many uh, kids that I hear about are looking to take a gap year after high school. Um, yes, sir. You know, it, would that be a good fit for a family that has a child that may want to you know, pursue their faith a little bit during a gap year? It sounds like it could be uh, oh, based sure. on what you, Okay. Actually, personally, that, that's kind of what it was for me. I, I didn't go to college right out of high school because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Right. And, and again, I, I, uh, because of the way that I was thinking and the way that I was living, uh, I was a terrible student. And it's amazing, you know, like when you know, when, number one, when you know who God is, Right. And then because you know who God is and you're letting him teach you in your life and you begin to realize who he's made you to be, it's amazing what you get passionate about and what you're willing to sacrifice and learn. 
once those two things are settled. Yes. Yeah. So to, to yeah. take a gap year and to go get that worked out, to get that foundation in place before you go into our universities, which are absolutely attacking the nature and the character of God or that God exists or how the order in which God created the world. Um, and you don't have your foundation. Not only are you going to go in there and spend a lot of money and still not know what you want to do, but now your faith is, is shipwrecked a lot of times. So, so yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think a gap year is awesome because you get to solidify those two things. And what would something like that cost with if the listeners you know are curious about that? And where would they go for more information on it? Yeah. Well, so there's there is there is ywim.org is 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 the location that has every ywim campus on it, and you can um, you can go there and if there's a certain location that you're interested in, you can click on that link and it'll take you to that campus's um, webpage. And every location is a little bit different in what they charge for a discipleship training school. Uh-huh. Well, um, let's now, say Tyler. What about Tyler, Texas? Yeah, so so if you go to ywamtyler.org, uh-huh. is, is our is our campus. That's our website. Um, we we run a, a discipleship training school every quarter, um, and it costs about thirty five hundred dollars for the lecture phase, and that covers everything: your food, your housing, your training, all the things that happen on campus. Um, and then uh, about the second or third weekend, you find out what your outreach is. What, like what nation the outreach is going to be at. Yeah. And then those, those outreach expenses vary based on the location. And so then you you raise that money uh, for your outreach during your lecture phase. So, But the total would be three months? Would that whole package be yeah. three months? Yeah, the $3,500 would cover all of your, your whole three-month time that you're on campus. I wow. see. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Is that pretty standard, that pricing uh, to the other training centers? Like I said, every every training campus is just a little different um, in, in what they charge and why they charge that. And um, so it's, 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 it's very, since we're autonomous, you know, each space is autonomous, it, it, it does fluctuate. I understand. Uh, so, Wes, the other thing you kind of uh, went over quickly, and I'm sure there's a lot of listeners uh, wanting to get into it a little deeper. You said you no longer had the dependence on alcohol <clears throat> when you found the Lord. Could you explain that and uh, yeah. and talk to talk to us a little bit about it and how you felt and what was the you know the pivot you did? When when did that happen? And uh, yeah. and how were you able to manage through it, you know? Right. Well I think I thought well, I mean for me I was just again very angry. I felt very empty on the inside. Um I'd always felt like my thoughts were just swirling all the time. Mm-hmm. It just felt like my brain was chaos. And, and, and I, you know, I just all, had all these, again, uh, like personal thoughts about, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm an idiot. Uh, there's something wrong with me. People don't like me. You know, just, I mean, all of these thoughts were swirling in my head all the time. Yeah. So how do you, how do you make that stop? Now, now, now we know as as believers that number like as we're giving our life to Jesus and He's He's cleaning, uh, you know, as the Scripture says, He's cleaning the cup from the inside to the outside, right? Um, there, there's a grace that right from the beginning, when we repent, that begins to happen in us that helps us um, uh, begin to have accountability and walk that out. So my accountability was my youth pastor, mm. and my, I was spending. And I was spending literally hours every night reading the scriptures and wrestling over, okay, what do you mean when you say that? You be my teacher. You tell me what this means. I have a million thoughts about what that means, but they don't matter if it's not what you really mean. Right. So tell Mm. me. Uh, Like, so much so that I, I, I got mono two times. That's how much I wasn't sleeping and just, like, reading and thinking and wrestling. Um, so maybe that was healthy. Maybe it wasn't healthy. I'll leave that up to you. (laughs) Right. But, yeah, but, but what it did do was it really stirred a lot of things and it started to bring healing to some of these places of the ways that I thought and my own personal feelings towards myself and towards others. And then as that started to heal, I 
didn't need that crutch of alcohol anymore to make those thoughts go away or to drown them out. Right. So, so it really does, you know, the, 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 the scripture says that, that, that God will restore us by the washing of the watering of the word. Mm-hmm. Ephesians. And uh-huh. so, yeah. And so that, that, the only way I know how to like explain it in real terms is that's what it felt like. I felt like the word of God was washing over my mind and was washing over the, the thoughts and the intentions of my heart. And as it would do that more and more and more, it was taking away the things that were stealing from me. It was, it was washing the thoughts away that weren't true that weren't mm-hmm. right, that were in opposition to how God created me mm-hmm. and washed, and, and how um, and, and what God's real thoughts and intentions towards me were. Excellent. Oh, that's beautiful, Wes. And Wes, uh, you don't have to answer this fully if you're not uh, comfortable, but w- what are you teaching the youth right now with all of this political unrest and everything else? How are you guys approaching that on, on the campus? Well, you know, and, and this is the this is the tricky thing, right? And uh, and because uh, across the board, even among the church right now, uh, we have people that live in different party lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so that makes it very unique. So then, what we have to go back to is, well, what like what does the Bible say? And let's let that evaluate and be the mirror of what is the intentions of our heart. Mm-hmm. So, so really, a lot of what we're trying to go back to is, uh, it is for an example, right? Um, love. Now, that, that word is getting used all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. This, this person is wrong because they're not loving. These people are crazy because if they really loved, it would look like this. Well, um, if, if we're all going to function from love, then we have to understand what the definition is. Mm-hmm. So let's define. So from the scripture, what is the definition of love? So so here here's a here's a definition that that we're using. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Love is to will the highest good. Right. So it's a such choice. We're choosing the highest good for God first, others, and then ourselves, up to the level of understanding that I have today, and then always pursuing greater understanding. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, I like that. So, so Ephesians thirteen, or I mean, First uh, Corinthians thirteen is always talking about love and how love, how that should be the number one thing that we're growing in, because our gifting, at some point, when when Jesus returns, our gifting doesn't matter, but what is going to remain, love. Mm-hmm. So, with the use of our giftings and who God has created each one of us to be. If we're not growing and maturing in love and in its expression of that, even and, and love, because we're choosing the highest good for God, means that sometimes that means I'm going to be challenging my neighbor, but I'm going to do it because I because I don't want them to get stolen from, mm-hmm. and I want that I want their I want God's best in their life, okay. not I want to be right. Excellent. I have a question, Wes. Yeah, for sure. What do you see? What because you've been working with teen, predominantly teenagers, young people, the past twenty yep. years, right? Yes, sir. What do you see their biggest misconception or um, kind of like a, a gap in their faith uh, or what they understand about God or Jesus or the gospel itself? What do you see as a? Is there anything that's really glaring over the years that you've seen? Again, I think because of the separation of church and state, uh-huh. what we've been teaching our children is uh, that we have our God box over here, uh, but it doesn't have to do with anything else a part of the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. So that, that's that's a bummer because, you know, the, the scripture tells us uh, that the knowledge of God will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. Mm-hmm. And it also teaches us that the earth is the Lord's and everything that it contains. So, so we're already starting them off at a disadvantage because, well, God doesn't, God's principles don't, are not meant to impact our whole life or meant to impact the world. So just stay in your box. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't live disjointed like that. Like, 
you can't. And so then we're setting our children up for disappointment because uh, even when they do try to do that and don't see it happen in reality, then they think that God's not real and that God's not for them. So that, that, that's one thing for me uh, that, I, that I think is a, is, is a big disadvantage mm-hmm. and would love to see um, um, us as a whole body of, of believers um, bringing that back into bringing back that, that back that into the forefront of even how we teach in our Sunday schools <clears throat> and how we teach from the pulpit because um, because that's that's valuable and it's it's really important and and it makes it a, not a passive thing like God's not passive in the earth today mm-hmm. he's active right but he wants us to join him in his activity so that means we can't be passive or fatalistic. Because he's up to something, right? Yeah. Now, how about how about apologetically? Do you think the young people that you're seeing are pretty solid or pretty mm-hmm. firm kind of faith in the person of Jesus Christ or the understanding of how lost man is before they come to salvation or the inspiration of Scripture? How do you see them on those different areas? Uh, well, again, we get a lot of kids from a lot of different places. Uh huh. Last year, even during the pandemic last year, um, I only ran one SST training program in the summer here in Texas. How many were in that class? I had 100 kids here. Oh, boy. And uh, from representing, there were three nations outside of the U.S. represented in that group of people. So we get a gamut of kids. The year before that, I had 180 students in eight weeks, or, or, yeah, an eight-week time period, and I had seven nations plus oh, the wow. U.S. Even with COVID, you were able to have a good-sized class. Oh, yeah. And, dude, we saw amazing things happening. Hmm. We had, uh, we, quick story, we, we sent a team to Detroit, right? Yes. Hot spot of COVID. We felt like we felt like the Holy Spirit kept speaking to us that we were to go to Detroit, which sounded like total insanity. Like, yeah. really? Yeah, That's where he wants us to go? Sure. But it kept, like, we just kept feeling things over and over, and we kept getting pointed to scriptures that would affirm things that we were feeling. And we had a girl in Detroit who had a dream that a tornado, that this, a fire tornado came from Texas, like from the West, and came into the city and began to um, destroy things in Detroit that needed to be destroyed, but what needed to be left was left. Mm -hmm. And she was playing in the backyard with her brother, and then she went into the basement of this building, and while she was in the basement, um, uh, she knew that the building was her friend's house, but when she went into the basement, it didn't look like what her friend's basement was. Yes. So that's all. So she had this dream, and she went to her um, the the leader of the YWAM Detroit ministry and said, "I had the craziest dream last night," and told her all the details. Now the Detroit leader had been talking with me, and we had been really discussing: Can we really do this? Should we do this? Can we find housing for forty people? You know, all this stuff back and forth. Right. And and a church had just agreed the day before to house us in their basement. Boy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So she then said, like, is listening to this lady and about this dream, and then says, "Okay, if I showed you a picture of the basement, would you recognize it?" And the girl goes, "Well, yeah, it was really vivid." So she pulls out her phone and starts showing her these pictures, and the lady, the girl, is like freaking out. She goes, "The this is the same images that were in my dream of the basement that I was standing oh, in." Yeah. Holy yeah. cow! And she, she goes, "This is hilarious because remember the team from Texas I was telling you that's wanting to come, but this is the church that just agreed to house them." <clears throat> okay. Well, it all worked together and, then. Yeah, and for us, we were like, "Okay, like hands down." This girl knows nothing. Like, this is our final confirmation. We need to go. Well, while our team was there, a a Muslim imam invited them to come to his house and work with him and garden in his backyard and talk with him. Mm. Right? So the Muslim imam is the main teacher at the mosque, right? Yeah, right. So 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 part of my team goes to his house. 
Uh, they ask him permission. He lets them lead worship in his backyard while they're gardening, and he's asking them all these questions about Christianity. Um, and these were our second-year students. So they, they, we have it set up with our program that you can do four years, and you get different teaching and training and a whole different outreach experience, and each year builds on the year before it. Okay. So it's very, it's very line-upon-line teaching. Mm-hmm. So our Phase two students are learning about worldview, evangelism, a little bit about apologetics. So they're talking to this Muslim imam that way. Yeah. They end up inviting him to dinner. Um, they get in a scuffle where uh, somebody gets really upset with one of our students and is yelling at them and yelling at our staff. And our staff and our students are really calm, really just trying to help this person sure. and keep the school the whole time while they're being um, kind of rude. And at the end, the imam is like, how can you guys be so kind and so respectful to people when they treat you like that? And so then they just share the gospel. Well, nice. isn't like, you know, yeah. like while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And, and he laid down his life when we were at our worst and when we were rude and when we were arrogant and when we were hateful, he still laid down our life to save us from our sins so we can be gracious and patient because they know not what they do. Right. And this guy is losing his mind because he's like, I don't have that. Right. So now our YWAM leader is like has built his building relationship and following up with this imam. But these are the kind of cool situations that we find ourselves in. And what's awesome, even when maybe some of our younger people, we might see that they have deficiencies in certain areas. Yes. Uh, when we're equipping them to have personal relationship with Jesus, Hmm. trusting that the Holy Spirit is really who he is and that he's going to be our teacher always from the time that we give our life to the, you know, to, to God, that he will be our teacher and and awaken the truth to us and reveal truth as well as reveal his will and, and, and opportunities and situations and guide our communication. Then we can actually, even if our teenagers are deficient in certain areas, we're seeing God use them in crazy, amazing ways, just like with this imam. Yeah, that's amazing. And, and, that and is we can amazing. trust God for the <clears throat> development. What a story. Now, a couple of quick questions. How about prayer and yeah. fasting? I, are you guys involved with that much? Yes. So on campus, yes. Um, uh, being able to maybe properly um, train that in, in an SST setting with our SST students. What SST um, again is? That's our summer program. So we have two weeks total with them. So be able to to totally um, encompass that during the time that they're here. That's that's a really challenging topic to cover. (laughs) Yes. Uh, But uh, intercession and prayer and learning how to discern and pray the things that are on God's heart, uh, that is a part of every phase. And we practice that every day, both on, um, on during the lecture phase and on outreach with a staff person. Okay. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that makes our, our summer program so unique is that every kid who comes in the summer there uh, to every program, there's two leaders, one guy leader and one girl leader for that particular training program. And then our staff to student ratio was one staff person to every five students. Well, that's really so, good. That's great. So that way, nobody ever <clears throat> falls through the cracks. Everybody is getting personal care. They're having group intercession of no more than 10 people. They're having small group every day with uh, with their five cabin mates and their one staff person. And then they get about two to three one-on-one discipleship moments over a mealtime with their particular leader. Okay. Let me ask you another question or two. How about the support? How do you guys do financial support, especially for the um, career, the full-time uh, staff. And by the way, also, how many staff are there at Tyler? Uh, we have about two hundred, somewhere between two hundred and two hundred and thirty full time staff here in Tyler. Full time staff. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, we, so here at Wyoming Tyler, we have three campuses. Our main campus is four hundred acre ranch. That's where a lot of our training happens. Um, we have a Christian school in Tyler, right next to the airport. Okay. Uh, fully functioning Christian school, uh, K through, K through 12, uh, 12th grade. Um, and then we have uh, a training program, what's like seminary kind of crunched into a year, uh-huh. 
sequel of the Bible that's over there. And then we have uh, Teachers for the Nations, where you can get a teaching certificate um, to be able to go be a teacher somewhere in the world and use that as a as a missions tool. Is that TESOL? Do you guys get a TESOL degree? Uh, we used to do TESOL, um, teaching English as a second language. Right. Yeah, we we haven't run that in the last little bit. Um, okay. Just just because there's a lot of things happening. Sure. We have. We have 68 total departments that have different functions here at wow. Wylam Title. What an, what an infrastructure. Yeah, that's wow. <laughs> so <laughs> how, how about support then, Wes? Yeah, so every person in YWAM from the top to the bottom, it doesn't matter if you're like the campus director or you're the newest member of just joining staff, every person raises their own support. Okay. So, um, so and that can be uh, individuals. Uh, supporting you, or um, they're, you know, churches right. that, su- that support you. And so most people have a good mixture of both. Okay. Very um, good. And so, and then you're, you know, you're raising your personal support based on what God's called you to. Okay. So for me personally, you know, we've, I, I, I work with SST, our, our season of service and training here, but I've also multiplied that um, now to five other nations. So I have leaders now functioning in other nations. So I'm responsible uh, to raise the support for my family to function in ministry. Right. Um, I've been married for 16 years, and we have three kids. So that you know that takes care of our housing and food and and gas for our cars and all that. But then also I have a travel budget to go visit those leaders and keep mentoring them and look at multiplying this program into other new locations and. Wonderful. Okay, very good, David. You, you know, um, we only have a few more minutes. What, about five or so, John? Uh-huh. Um, you know, from your vantage point, one of the stats, John and I did a show on the unchurched youth. And, yeah. um, you know, we take a look at these young adults. Once they reach the age of 20, only one in three say they're attending church regularly. What What is your vantage point? Are those stats correct? And why do you think they're that way? Well, I think... Um you know, several years ago, I heard uh, a guy say something from a stage, and I didn't quite know what I thought about it. Um, but you know, back, uh, you know, back before, a lot of people uh, had a pattern, and it was believe, belong, behave. Okay. Right. What, whatever you believe decides where you belong, and will dictate what how you behave. Yes. Right. Good. Uh-huh. Uh, with with younger people, that has flipped. They want to belong first. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So here, so what's tricky? You know, what's tricky now? And in, in, uh, in, uh, I, I want to say this in the most uh, loving and generous way that I can. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a little bit. What has happened with with, with our, our 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 American church? Okay, and this, I'm, I, I am the American church, so I'm not pointing the finger at somebody else. Right. I'm saying, in and of ourselves, one of the things that we have lost is, is this inviting people in um, mentality. And rather, and, and rather than just having our tiny circle of friends that we trust and kind of putting up our barricades to everything else because, oh my gosh, it could be scary or, you know, or we're not supposed to be of the world— so those people are acting like that. So should we invite them in kind of deal? Uh-huh. We, we've kind of built that a little bit. And if we're going to reach young people of today, then the first thing that we have to do is open the circle and help them, serve them by showing them that we want them there and that they belong. Good. And then as they do, it, you know, and that's out of that place of us loving that way, well, that's going to open the door of their heart to build trust and once trust is established, it's going to give us the opportunity to to uh, to present truth that can begin to transform hearts. Okay. I, I like that. And, you know, the other thing I like about your program, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, most of the growth that, that you mentioned uh, with students, you, you do the hands-on ministry, giving them a way to serve, uh, to kind of amplify their faith, correct? Yeah. And everything that we do on outreach, we purposely pick so that it's something, it's not something that they can't do when they get home. Hmm. 
So anything that we're going to do, we're going to do it purposefully because we want to see that this is this is the life that Jesus called us to live. And and, it, and that life, that should be walked out every day, not because I go on a missions trip or not because I go to this training program. Mm-hmm. But I can foster this as a part of my everyday life. It's a part of my rhythm. And I'm, I'm going to learn to see every opportunity through Jesus's eyes and just live it. We only have a couple more minutes, Wes. Could you give the information if somebody's listening, they want to get in touch and contact and, um, you know, maybe even have a speaker up this way if there's a YWAM representative. Just give out some information and con- the way people can follow up. Yeah, for sure. Well, if you're, you know, if you're interested in sending your teenager to uh, uh, an SST, which is, again, a season of service and training program, um, you can go to sst.org. That's our website. Um, actually, just on Monday, we made all of our summer applications go live for our program. Um, so you're welcome. It's an all-online application process. Um, if you're interested, if you're over the age of 18, uh, and you can be 18 to 80 years old or older than that, um, uh, and are interested in a discipleship training school and, and maybe starting your missions career, um, you can go to ywamtyler.org and uh, there's tons of information there we do run a discipleship training school every quarter and then there's lots of training programs after you do that entry level course um there are several ywam campuses actually there's one in akron ohio Hmm. um uh that that is that is running there um there is also like i said one in detroit there's one in chicago so if you're if you're interested in some of these uh ywam leaders or having a ywam presence um in your uh in in your church or um or another event that you might be having um if you go to ywam.org um then you can see all the different campuses globally Mm -hmm. and who's there and who's uh who, who's not there, um, and uh, I, I do make it to Ohio about once every once a year, um, sometimes twice a year, um, and so if, if you want to go to the SST website where where there's inquiries, you're welcome to email me there personally, and uh, I'd love to come. Okay, great. Time. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Wes. Do you have any final questions, David? No, just, just let us know when you're coming, uh, Wes, and, and we'll see if what our availability is to have you. Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Get to see you guys in person. Yes. Yeah. Well, God bless you, Wes, and all the work you're doing in the ministry. Like I said, I know a youth with a mission from my days in Thailand and uh, hosting the DTS teams that were coming over into Bangkok. So, they, you know, I just really like the vision. I like Lauren Cunningham. He used to speak at our Bible school and chapel. And you guys are doing a great work, and we just continue to pray for your son for a quick uh, healing of his lymph nodes. Yes. And uh, bless you, and if we can help in the future down the road, just let us know. And again, this is WNZN Radio, 89.1 FM, coming to you from Lorain, Ohio. And we just had a guest is a missionary. He trains missionaries by the name of Wes Chapman, C-H-A-P-M-A-N. And like he said, if you want more information, you just go to YWAM, Y-W-A-M.org. And it's loaded. I was at the site. It's just its very easy to navigate. So, again, God bless you and all that you do, Wes. And uh, we'll be in touch soon, I think. God bless you. Take care, Wes. God bless you.